Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to MAP Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three-time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bible's director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away. Welcome, everyone. We are here, Mad Sports Take, episode 19. Back at you, your weekly podcast for sports, business, and more with myself, Ryan Roberts, at Rise and Draft on Twitter, and Mad underscore sports for Mr. David Turner. We have seen a lot of adversity through 2020, and tonight we are going unmuzzled to talk about college football, pro football, sports as a business in general. We're coming from all angles. We want to bring you the unfiltered truth about the professional sports world. Tonight we'll be talking with a agent, actually our first NFL agent, Mr. Joshua Grady, who is from Grady Sports Agency. He'll be on in a couple minutes, and we're going to get the 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 perspective from the agent side of everything. Cause I feel like David, we've been talking about from the player's perspective, coach's perspective. We've had some coaches on from an evaluator's perspective. We talked about that a bunch, director of player personnel, James Kirkland, I don't know from that perspective. Like we have covered so many different perspectives, but we haven't had an agent on yet, which I'm excited about, man. Cause like, Hey, money's on the line, right? Like they're signing some guys for the 2021 NFL draft. And are you, are you going to maybe get a bunch of clients this year? Are you going to maybe hold out to next year? Like, I feel like it's a very interesting position to be in this year. And one that honestly, I don't know if I have answers to, to be honest. No, I'm with you on that. I mean, it, it's our first, I mean, we had Jill Baxter on with the ladies uh, seminar, and then this is going to be our first young agent. You know, Jill's been in it for 20 something years and she represents a bunch of different clients, but this young man that's coming on tonight, uh, Joshua, I think he's going to give us a nice, um, comparison to what uh, veteran agents might be doing and what he's going to do, what his strategy is for this year. And also I want to talk to him a little bit about what he's doing with his current clients, um, how he's trying to get them jobs, what kind of creative methods he's maybe um, had to, you know, incorporate this year to try to reach out to teams and and let them know his guys are ready to go. So, you know, it's going to be a fun conversation. I'm really looking forward to speaking to him. He's a guy that I don't know too well. So I'm always down to meet new people and extend my, you know, my uh, database a little bit more too. Absolutely. And we're going to bring Joshua on just a second. Before we do, as an aspiring scout, do you know the inner workings of a pro personnel department? This week at Friday Night Scout School, we'll be diving deep into the pro scouting departments. We will be talking weekly advanced scouting reports, free agent workouts, and free agent introduction. This is often a department that is unknown until free agent time of the year. But so much more is produced weekly from this department than you would ever even imagine. Don't miss your opportunity to learn about a pro scouting department. Sign up at nfldraftbible.com. Again, that's Friday night, Scout School, 9 Eastern time this week. 
Now inviting in to Mass Sports Take episode 19, talking with NFL agent Joshua Grady at Grady Sports Agency. He began in the injury industry and back in 2016, he re- represents such players as By- uh, Byron Cowart, George Campbell, Jordan Wilkins, Leon McQuay, Marcus Lewis, a few others. In the last four years that he's been on the scene, he's had draft picks in every cycle so far. He's also the host of Agent Talk podcast, which I have tuned into. Does a lot of excellent work. Joshua, I appreciate you joining us tonight, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm doing well, Ryan. I appreciate the intro. Can y'all hear me? Are we good? Yeah, man, you're good. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. You gave a great introduction, man. I just want to be able to provide any value. David, I don't think we've met before. Uh, but yeah, just wondering, you know, any questions, any tidbits, any insight I can provide, just let me know. No, I'm looking forward to this interview a lot, Josh. We haven't met before, so nice to meet you. I thank you for coming on Mavs Sports Stage. Here at Mavs, too, we're unmuzzled. Just go go and say whatever comes to mind when it hits you. You know, don't like be it. shy about it at all. Uh, we like to get the unfiltered uh, truth to our audience. That's perfect. Yeah, I mean, I'm an open book, so like I said, anything y'all got, I'm, I'm just here to spread some truth, man. So I like it. Unmuzzled. I have not heard that one before, but I might be – Taking that one on my podcast. <laughs> that's coin, baby. That's our trademark. That's, that's, that's patent pending for David Turner. See, I don't know if you can <laughs> grab it, Joshua, but I, I'm really excited about this, man. I'm, I'm really happy that you were able to come on with us tonight because we haven't gotten the perspective from the agent side of the world, right? Like we've been talking from players' perspectives, coach perspective, evaluator perspectives through this tough time in the COVID world, but we haven't gotten the agent's perspective. So I'm really excited to bring you on. I gave the background, you know, in the intro a little bit, but can you just briefly just highlight your football journey for us and tell the, tell the, the uh, listeners out there, we are live uh, again on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, tell the listeners about how you have gotten to where you are now. Gotcha. I'll try to keep the story as short as possible, but basically I grew up from Tampa, Florida or grew up in Tampa, Florida, went to a high school called Armwood, uh, just a, a known, School, um, top 25, usually every year, I want to say our senior year. Uh, we Nobody went both ways. And so out of 22 starters on offense and defense, I think 21 went Division One. So just to give an example, um, I'm trying to think like uh, Matt Jones, for example, was my high school running back, drafted third round to the Redskins a while ago. Byron went to my high school, starting defense tackle for the Patriots. You mentioned Leon went to my high school. We just had numerous guys that have just been successful in football um, and ended up going to undergrad at Vanderbilt, got my undergrad degree there, committed. This is when James Franklin was there. So not, you know, we didn't go over nine like this year's team has. We were, you know, top 25 twice, won two bowl games, uh, very respectable, you know, program when we, when I was there and ended up going to get my master's at Richard's. So I got my master's from the university of Florida and to keep a long story short in 2015. So this is when I was getting my degree from Vandy when all of my friends were going to Senior Beach Week at Panama City, my dad offered an opportunity. He said, you can go to Beach Week or you can come with me to Chicago to the NFL Draft. There is a good friend of the family named Eugene Parker. Eugene, if anybody knows anything about agents, he's one of the, the, the greatest that's, that's ever lived. Represented Deion Sanders, Emmitt Smith. He was a guy. He was actually the first agent ever to give a player their, their golden Hall of Fame jacket when Dion got introduced to the Hall of Fame. So just to give a little background of Eugene. Again, family, friends, went to the draft with him. He represented Dante Fowler, who's from my area. I've known Dante since he was 14. My dad is his godfather. And just being at the draft, it just kind of showed me like what it is like to be an agent. Like you kind of said, a lot of people, whether you are a scout or if you're a college player, you just watch ball, you hear certain things. 
But it's not until you're actually around the space that you realize a little bit of the ins and outs. And so from there, the plan for me was Eugene to mentor me as I was getting certified. And unfortunately, in 2016, Eugene was diagnosed with cancer. He passed away. His company somewhat disbanded. He had a company at the time called Relativity Sports, was rated number three overall in the country in 2015 by Forbes, like a very you know respectable agency. And again, I try to keep the story as short as possible. I worked for a marketing firm for eight months. Um, just some behind the scenes marketing website creation for that Prescott Jarvis Landry, just some behind the scenes things for this bigger marketing firm. And it was at this point that I realized two things. And it was one that I didn't like having a boss. I didn't like having someone kind of telling me what to do. Like it was, this was my first job. My mom always said, you know, if you do what you need to do in the classroom, dad said you can do what you need to do on the field. You don't have to work. And so when I graduated, it was just my first job and I didn't like having someone over me. And secondly, is I just realized to, like you said, unmuzzle as transparent as possible. I realized a lot of these agents look at young men as nothing but a check, just nothing but a way to put money in their pocket without really providing them any value. And just once I kind of figured out a little bit of the game, we just decided in 2017 to start our own agency. And from there, you kind of mentioned it. We've had a draft pick every year. Very fortunate, very blessed. Um, I love our guys. I love what we're doing. I think it's going to be a good class. Obviously, Ryan, you've helped a little bit in just the, the knowledge you freely put out, to be honest with you. I think I found you on Twitter. And it's really helped put this class together. And, you know, I, again, I just love what we're doing. Uh, we do a lot of marketing for our guys and just really want to help our guys understand that in regards to working with the agent, I guess, in the all-encompassing, like when I signed the Vanderbilt, I said I wanted to make a 40 to 50-year decision and not a four to five-year decision. And I liken the agent selection process as the same way. Some guys, they just want, you know, short-term agent that can make me the most money off the bat or who can give me the most money, honestly. And for us, just to be able to identify those guys that see the long-term vision, then, you know, I think we've done some some pretty good things, I would say. So in short, I guess that's how we've gotten to where we are and, you know, the vision that we have for our guys. And that, that was an awesome background, Joshua. And I really want to get into a lot of, you know, the, the questions from the agent perspective, but you mentioned the Vanderbilt ties for a second. So I have to go here <laughs> because I am, a, you know, a host of Locked On Irish on the Locked On Podcast Network, and they just uh, decided to hire, and I know we're going to talk about it later in the show, but they hired a uh, defensive coordinator from Notre Dame, Clark Lee, as the, as the new, the next head coach. It has not been official yet, but it is going to happen from my knowledge. Just some general thoughts on that, because I know you retweeted it. You said it was a great hire for Vanderbilt. I think it's a great hire. General thoughts on Clark Lee to Vanderbilt, and if he's the guy to get you back to that James Franklin level and maybe even higher. One, can y'all still see me? My dad called me. I ignored him. Can y'all see me right now? No. I cannot. (laughs) Okay, let me see if we can get this. And we lost him. There he goes. (laughs) I'm sure he'll sign back on. I like well, how you work it. No, I like how you're working this in. I, I, when I heard him drop the Vandy thing, I'm like, Ryan's going to totally run with this. I knew I you were. I completely forgot that he had played running back at Vanderbilt. So that kind of didn't even cross my mind. And then we're going to talk okay. about Clark Lee tonight, right? So what a perfect person to ask than a Vanderbilt alum to tell me about the fit of Clark Lee, who I'm a big fan of, who played fullback at Vanderbilt. He's a Vanderbilt guy. How great of a fit do you think that is, Josh? So, good question. And y'all can see me now. We're good, right? Okay. Yeah, yep, we're so good. I, for one, I know there are some people, typically what you have is, you know, especially for a program that's maybe getting beat down, they want someone that's going to come and score points. 
that's really just, you know, that's what a lot of people want. They want that exciting, young, fresh name, whatever it might be. For me, when you look at someone that has ties here, you know, he's from Nashville, went to school here, and you just kind of look at that off the bat. It's like, okay, there's synergy. You know, there, there's a connection. There's a real tie. There's a reason he's wanting to come here outside of just trying to use it as a potential stepping stone, which coaches have tried to do in the past to get to where they're trying to get to. And so for me, just when you look at it from a football perspective, he brings respect to the program. You know, Notre Dame, I mean, I was just looking at the college football playoffs. Really, regardless of if they win or lose, they're going to be top four in the country. I mean, unless they lose by 50 to Clemson. And so when you look at just what they've been doing on the defensive side of the ball, I think he's been there maybe three or four years. I recruited guys from Notre Dame that have mentioned, talked highly of just the defensive scheme itself. So when you look at that, I'm a fan. You can tell, again, he's coming from a respectable program, someone that knows what it's like to win. That's the main thing with Vandy is when you just look at the program itself, it's like, have they really been trying to win is a question that a lot of people ask. And to bring him in is he's going to bring the winning mentality. Next step for me, I think, is just seeing, and I actually was listening on the phone today, and this guy was saying he does not think Clark would have taken this job if he did not believe that the administration would give him the keys and the tools needed to be successful, meaning, you know, facility upgrades, like to call a spade a spade. Like Vanny has a lot of upgrades that they need to do, especially when I went to the University of Florida. Is you, It's just a stark difference. You know, the game day experience, the practice experience, things of that nature. But I'm just looking forward to seeing not just him. That's one thing I realized when I was Franklin. A lot of it goes to the head coach. But we had a great staff. You know, Coach Franklin went on to Penn State. Ricky Roddy, our quarterback coach, is the head coach. I want to say he's at Old Dominion. Coach Gaddis is now the offensive coordinator at Michigan. Uh, you got a John Donovan went to the NFL. Brent Pry ended up getting a D.C. job. Coach Shoup, I don't know where Shoup. He's had multiple defensive coordinator jobs. And we just – the assistants that we've also had, our D-line coach is now a defensive line coach at the Giants, Coach Spencer. And so when you look at not just the head coach but the position coaches, we had it all. Like our strength staff, mm-hmm. you know, they, they showed a video a few years ago when Saquon Barkley, I think he had like power clean, like 405 or something like that when he was at Penn State. Well, that was the strength staff we had. And so for me, it's going to be a lot more than just the head coach. I think that's a great start. But now who is the OC? Who, who's going to be the, the special teams coordinator or the quarterback coach, receiver coach, all those things? They really do matter. And I think that's something that can be overlooked. But again, when you have someone that's coming from a respectable program, you know, I think there's a lot of hope in there for sure. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Joshua, I got two questions for you really quick is, you know, just follow ups. I'm going to go a little off script here on Ryan, but just follow ups on that. First question is uh, being a Vandy alum. Do you know Mike Martin, the scout that's over at the uh, Carolina Panthers now? Yes. Mike used to be, was he with the Texans? He was the assistant director of college scouting at the Texans, and now he's yeah. a scout over at the. Uh, but there's rumors Mike might wind up getting the college scouting director job up the up at the uh, was it Washington Redskins or former Washington Redskins? Sorry, uh, former Washington Football Team uh, uh, this coming year. So I didn't know if you knew Mike or not because he's also a running back vet from from Vandy. Got you. I have not met him in person, but I know we actually. I think we connected when I was representing Jordan. This was during Jordan's pre-draft process. Maybe I think this was 2018. Yeah, the 2018 draft is when I first connected with Mike. Talked to him a few times since. I want to say it's either him or it's another Martin that's also from the Tampa area. I think that's him as well. That's him. No, that's, that's him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. Because I know you went to mm, 
don't want to say the wrong school, but yeah, my we we have. He just moved back down to Tampa. Actually, he, he came from Houston, moved back down there with his family this year. So maybe all run into each other. Okay, so. yeah, we know we know a few people. There's a few people I actually went to high school with that's good friends with him that actually worked with maybe his brother or cousin is an agent. I want to say his brother's yeah. an agent. Yep. Yep. So I know a few people that know his brother as well. So yeah, definitely some bloodlines there. Second question, just talking about like, you know, setting up for success. Do you have any uh, indication on who the recruiting coordinator is going to be at Vandy now? Because I hear Ryan Roberts is very good at recruiting <laughs> and finding talent. And, you know, he, he could be one that would be interested in that gig if it's still open. Uh, his resume, you know, I'd sign off on his resume for him. I would definitely, you know, be a reference for him if he can land that job. That'd be great yeah. for the young, young Mr. Roberts there. It will be interesting to see who gets the job. I have no idea. I don't even know where in the total poll that is. I think it should be rather high, to be honest with you. One thing I will say, so you were, this was when I was, I guess, on back, maybe when I was backstage, but uh, y'all kind of talked about, you know, seeing maybe the perspective a little bit from the agent, the younger agent, we would say. One thing I will say, I don't know how good Ryan is at scouting high school talent, but <laughs> a major difference that I have seen and I like for instance, I teach an agent academy, so I try to teach younger aspiring agents, you know, what the game is like and things of that nature. For someone my age, that you know, we're also I consider ourselves the social media era. The number one place I've gone, to be honest with you all, to gain talent or to uh, to to evaluate talent, to gain film, and just to kind of see as we put our big board together for even for 2022, the first place I'm going to start is Twitter. Like that's the first place. Like when you look at, like you said, a, a ride, I'm assuming, David, I don't think I follow you, but I will. And I would imagine you say <laughs> nobody follows me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I have like a tablet and I chisel out some some words on it once in a while, like the Ten Commandments once in a while. I'm not like Ryan. I am not as good. We make fun of that all the time because I'm very archaic. Grace, I got a gal that does it for me. Mm. Most of it, because I, I, if she didn't do it, it nothing would go up. Nothing. I got you. Understood. But like I was saying, it's whether it's him, there's a few other individuals like a, that you just follow on Twitter that you get into March or get into the summer, they just putting up clips, you know, and talking about him. And it really does help because as a younger agent, like I don't know every GM. You know, I've known I've met a few. I don't know every you talked about director of college scouting. I don't know every director of college scouting, even some of the ones you do meet along the road. You might call them, text them, you'll never hear back just because they're like, oh, this is a newer agent. What can he do for me, to be honest? And so to be able to have individuals, I guess that's another thing I realized when I started out. It's a lot of scouts, to be very honest with you, that have the label that don't know what they're doing. <laughs> to be very like, to be very transparent, there's a lot of scouts that I've met that you talk to them and they just, they're not that good at evaluating talent. And that's why I think you kind of see just major shuffles constantly and i've realized that like someone like like you said ryan like a ryan someone that just is intentional on studying film understanding ball understanding what the nfl looks like you don't have to be working for an nfl team to be a great evaluator i would say so that's definitely something i've realized as my career has progressed that was a nice ego boost guys i appreciate it so much. that was, that was <laughs> a lot of fun man. 
Well, as young, well, I'm sure. I mean, the way you intro us, I mean, that's a big enough intro. Like, his intros are like, honestly, God, there's such an ego boost every time he introduces us. It's ridiculous. It's like, oh, my gosh, what have I done? Oh, my. He has my whole career here. So <laughs> that being said, as a younger agent, you know, what what's something that in this recruiting cycle maybe you are struggling with this season versus right. other seasons you haven't struggled with with all the environment and this new world that we're living in? Got you. I would say, so there's pros and cons to anything. We'll use Zoom as an example. The pro has been with COVID and the lack of travel. Like I just had, we just had a son. He's eight months old. I've done up until this month, all of our recruiting has been just like this. While it's a phone call, getting on a Zoom, doing presentations, things of that nature. Really from right here, like my dog right there, we was on the, we've been on the couch. And so that's allowed, it's been a lot cheaper because being an agent, you know, if you want to see 30 guys, you got to go fly. Usually you would have to go 30 flights there and back. But now I'm able to do a lot of my recruiting at home. That's been a big benefit, saving money, saving time, saving energy. On the flip side, though, there is no uh, substitute for intimate in-person dialogue as well. And so sure. I think the trying to build those relationships through a screen, it can be tough. You know, for some people, you know, maybe younger, maybe that's a little easier. But when you talk about the, the family, the parents that maybe want to be involved in those dialogues and those conversations, this technology is great, but nothing will ever replace being in person. And so I think it's just trying to have the discernment for us that even right now, the recruiting cycle, I think once I'm looking at the date, it's December 15th and roughly two weeks, it's over. The cycle is over. And so I'll probably be taking a few more trips. I'm actually supposed to go to the Northeast this week, and they about to have some sort of snowstorm. Talking about they getting 18 inches of snow. Uh, I'm in New Jersey, man. That's that's my that's my day to my day right now. Yep, yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. So it's I mean it's pros and cons. I would say the you know everything with COVID has not been bad. I would say that again. I've saved a lot of money, saved a lot of time. It's allowed me to spend a lot more time with my family. And the, honestly, this will probably be our best recruiting cycle just yet. So I think, you know, being able to adjust, that's one thing Eugene told me is as an agent, you are nothing more than a problem solver. Like that's what you are. You solve problems. Like a lot of people think it's about just the contracts and that's a good amount of part. But, you know, if it's a five-year contract, once they sign, you ain't got nothing to do for five years unless player gets cut and all of the things. But being able to just solve, try to solve the day-to-day problems in the world, you know, stuff going on in the world, I think that's a lot of where the focus is right now. Mm-hmm. And let me ask you, Joshua, because I'm really I, I think there's several angles that might be that agents might be taking this season. And you and you can completely correct me if I'm wrong, or at least just let me in on what your mindset is about it. I feel like some agents are going to bypass this cycle and say too much uncertainty. I'm not putting my money out there. I'm going to just, you know, whatever. I'm just going to go on to 2022, hope for better. And then I think that there's going to be some agents that are going to say, I'm going to get some bargains this season because there's going to be some uncertainty, but Hey, some of these kids might, might catch on. They might be under the radar guys because they haven't gotten a full slate of games, whatever it might be. What is your mindset about the challenges of understanding how many clients you can take on and just a demographic of that, this for, for this cycle? Gotcha. Good question. And I would say for sure you hit it on the head is one big approach you want to do is we wanted to eliminate risk or as much as you can lower risk. And in doing that, what we have decided to do is when, when our class comes out, it's mainly seniors. There's a few juniors we're recruiting, but it's mainly seniors. And that's because of the All-Star Games. Uh, last year with Pro Day, for instance, like you mentioned, George Campbell. George 
when we signed him, we were going to sign him anyways because George's family, but just as a tangible look is with George, we're like, okay, we have this guy with a lot of upside, but he potentially maybe we need to hit, try to get into an all-star game or if he got invited to the combine, he didn't, then he really needed to have a ball, just a standout pro. That he's someone 6'4", 205. We knew he was going to test well. He was just someone that if teams were able to see him in person, that they would be like, wow, okay, you know, let's give this guy an opportunity. But with COVID canceling Pro Day, for example, that's a major opportunity for him taken away. And this year, we don't know what's going to happen. Like, we don't – I know the Senior Bowl has sent out invites. We don't really know if that's going to happen. Even with the Combine, typically, you know, I think every year was it 300 guys that get invited to the Combine? 350. 250 is, you know, it's it's around – 350, 350. Maybe they cut that number down. You know, to try to reduce the amount of exposure, things of that nature. So right. even, again, with pro days, we have no idea if a kid is in the state of Pennsylvania and it gets to March and then they come around with some sort of regulation that, oh, we can't have such and such amount of people and social distancing. Oh, their pro days canceled. And so for me, I think the main thing we try to do is recruit guys based on the field. Guys that when you just turn on the tape, you can tell they're a game changer. And I would say that has been the biggest philosophy for us. And you also just talked about just kind of with the demographics as well is most of our recruiting is going to be on the east side. It's been on the eastern eastern side of the states to where if we do need to travel or guys are going to train, it's not that far apart. So uh, I guess that would be my main philosophy, trying to reduce the risk and just really trying to reach out to guys that we believe are not just going to get drafted, but guys that we feel have long term potential within the NFL. Now, Joshua, are you going after recruiting any of the opt-out players, players that opted out playing this season? I know you said no. only a few juniors and uh, mainly seniors, but no opt-outs? No, there's a few. We actually, I mean, I'm open. We tried, We reached out to uh, – what's the lineman? Slater? The lineman from North Carolina. Sean Slater. Yeah. He's a good one, man. He's a good man, one. Man, we re- – and that's the crazy thing, too. It's guys that are about to be, like, first or second round picks. I reached out to Rashawn, like, last September. So, like, not this September, but the one before. Uh, so, he's just an example. His dad pretty much was like, y'all are what we're looking for, respectively. You know, that's okay. But he was, out of all the guys that opted out, I me, mean, I reached out to Caleb Farley. So, this was, most of these guys, I reached out to him like, this time last year. I reached out to Caleb Farley, Rashawn Slater. I'm trying to think anybody else. I don't think anyone else that opted out. We had reached out to Journey Brown. I know he had the heart condition. Uh, so there is a few guys that we did at one point try to recruit, but none that we're still actively looking at. Now, how many um, – when it comes to training and stuff, do you have them, like, train on the East Coast as well? And how many – how much money are you putting out for training? Are you going to encourage them to train at school? How are you going to tackle that financial um, output this year when it comes to getting these guys ready for if there is a pro day and again being candid with you i'm hearing the combine is in jeopardy because local officials in indianapolis aren't wanting them to come trance you know go 350 kids to traipse through the you know uh medical facilities there and the hospitals there in indianapolis and then have the pr nightmare that if a kid or a coach or somebody from the nfl does get covid from being in indianapolis you know then everybody's talking about it's a hot bread and now it's a petri dish and and plus getting those guys physicals and stuff to put them above other people that might need basic physical needs that aren't getting it you know i hear the local officials in indianapolis are really skeptical of having it there this year so you know what is it what is it you're going to put out for training without the certainty of a pro day or even the combine Mm, that's a really good question that's exactly what i was saying is 
all it takes is for the state, you know, nobody with football, but all it takes is for the state to come and say, this is a happening and it's not going to happen. So to answer the question, every guy is going to be different. What we've tried to do, for instance, like in Dallas, Dallas is hour hour and a half flight for me, nothing too crazy. But with Dallas, Dallas has multiple training facilities uh, as well as some really good coaches. So what we're trying to do is, I mean, we'll probably sign anywhere, I would say maybe four to seven guys. We just want them to be near each other if possible so where they're not as spread out. And what that does is, for instance, we have two guys I think will train at the Exos Dallas location. Then now that's able to reduce costs for a rental car, able to reduce costs for housing to where maybe they can potentially live together. Uh, some locations will also do it. Well, if you have two or three guys training here, they can provide discounted rates, things of that nature. And we also, I will, I'll say this, I won't say any names, we're recruiting a specialist. So that's something I learned last year. It's like Sterling Hawford. Sterling's one of our guys. He was one of two punters drafted last year. Sterling ain't cost us any money for training because he's a punter. <laughs> state. He was just in Syracuse. You know, we do certain things with the housing and food. But there is no training. So that 15000 or whatever amount that some location might be charging, for him, that, that amount was zero. And when I saw that, I was like, whoa, like, we need to start looking at specialists. So there is a specialist that we're looking at that won't, his training won't be too much. There's also an uh, edge guy that we're looking at that's got a respectable. I think he's got. We're not. You're not allowed to use the edge. The edge word here. He's either a four-three defensive end or a three-four outside linebacker. Okay. That is one. Mm-hmm. So he mm-hmm. is a definitely a three-four. So he's a three-four outside linebacker for sure. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's good. That's good though. I know some people like that term. Uh, okay, so it's it's completely asinine for a scout to hear edge like honestly on our end when i'm on the pro, that's like no he's either a three four outside linebacker or a four three end and ryan knows it look at the way he's talking like he knows it's one of my things it's like no make a decision i, I deal with this every day joshua every single day i deal with this <laughs> I, I, I respect it though because it can't be there's so many different meanings that it could have to it so i do agree because everyone is either four three three four you know, and that, that is the reality. So he is a three, four outside linebacker. And he said he wants to train at the school. And to me, if someone wants to say like Jordan Wilkins, Jordan trained in Oxford at Ole Miss, that's a light bulb, like bigger priority. Because, again, that's saving you upwards of 15 grand for a guy. Right. And it makes it now with, when you talk about, like we said, with the risk reward, that risk has dropped severely. So I would say in regards to that. Uh, that's a lot where definitely where our focus is. It's just trying to find areas and different ways that we can reduce the cost, like you mentioned, comparing different training facilities because not all are built the same. You're not going to get the same value for your dollar. So really just trying to look at it as a business perspective, perspective because in the past, for us, it was like whatever a player wants, like you get just because like you saying yes out of all these guys that said no, we're going to give you the world. But now <laughs> as our, I guess our respectability amongst other you know peers and players has that has increased i think now we're able to like this would probably be our first year i'll say this that we're able to tell guys no this is the first year we're telling guys no this is the first year that we're recruiting juniors and actually telling them like yo you need to stay in school that's something i've realized with this cycle is it's amazing to me how many whether it's agents family friends are telling guys i think ryan like we've talked a little bit about it on twitter how many guys I believe are going to leave this year and regret their decision, especially the fact that this year don't even right. count. And it's like, yep. if you're not someone, if you, if you're a senior, I can understand. Like if you're graduating you have your degree, you've got the sure. film, the production, I can completely understand. But if you're someone, if you're a junior 
sophomore, redshirt sophomore, and you have and you're not like a first, second, or even a third round lock, you should a thousand percent return to school. No questions asked. I'm with you, man. Like I am like, if you're not a top 300 player with this year, not counting, even if you're a senior go post-grad stay in school and let normalcy hit, especially if this COVID vaccine is going to be around, everybody's going to get inoculated before the fall next year. Like go get it and get your, get your money next year when there is that. But even with 200 kids in the transfer portal, I heard today, That's crazy. I, I know it's crazy. There's not enough scholarships. People aren't going to graduate enough players to move 200 kids around plus get high school kids signed. It's just like the advice that people are getting, like you said, Joshua, I'm just baffled, like baffled, like people cannot do math. It is just baffling. Yeah, especially especially small school kids, too, because you already mentioned like the uncertainty with the all star circuit, the uncertainty with pro days. Like what like a small school kid that might be talented comes out. Maybe they had limited opportunity to show film on this year and then they come out. They're not an all star kid. They're they are they're one shot is to get a pro day opportunity and they might not even have that. What are we doing here? I don't understand that, that concept. I don't understand that thought process to be honest. So I think it's a lot of it is, like I said, it's one is usually it's one or two people is agents that feel like they have a good relationship with the player. Even, I mean, there's mm-hmm. a few guys that are juniors right now. If they left and they tested phenomenally, phenomenally, I think I said it right. They would maybe be <laughs> fifth, sixth round pick, but even right. I'm still is like, why would you settle for that when you can come back to school, potentially play your way into being a second-round pick or a first-round pick? It just doesn't make – you talk about the numbers, even just financially, that doesn't make sense. And it's just sure. – I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, but it's also one of the reasons why we want to become an agent is be, or start our own agency is just be the, the lack of guidance. You know, for some of these guys, especially – we'll use a, like a, a, to think of a Cincinnati – will be a good example. You will have some guys that just because their team is getting a lot of hype or like a Tulsa, your team is getting a lot of hype. Certain players mm-hmm. might be getting a lot of hype on your team and you can buy into that hype, not realizing you're going to be evaluated strictly on an individual level compared right. to all the other people at your position. And so for me, it's just so many factors that guys, they're going on. I mean, honestly, they go online and maybe they find one or two mock drafts from random people that have them, oh, maybe in the fourth round. And they're like, oh, well, this person has one here. So that means that's what NFL teams are thinking. And that's just not the case, you know. And so yeah. I just hope that guys somehow, some way, can just be making the right decisions. Because like y'all said, even with the transfer portal, there are going to be guys that are going to transfer with nowhere to go. And it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I guess the last thing I will say, too, that mm-hmm. I think all this is showing as well is definitely the need for a secondary league. Uh, I know the Rock trying to do you know what he can with the XFL and whatnot, but I think the if there was a some sort of not necessarily a competition, but how the NBA has the G League developmental league of that sort would be tremendous to help yep. players. Uh, I think that would definitely be a viable option in the future, especially when you look at the numbers. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I I agree completely with a lot of the points you made, and it's it's this is why like I get inboxed by players all the time, right? And they ask just like general opinion on you. I'm like, you know, if, if I haven't seen them, I'll say I can take a look and just give you some general thoughts. There's also the NFL advisory board, which you might want to look into, which is a great option to take. David Turner will write you a scouting report, a guy that was in the scouting departments of, of NFL teams, CFL teams for 18 years. Like those are things that when you're making that decision. 
should be things that are weighing in your mind. I want as many opinions on my game as possible. I know, Joshua, we've taken up a bunch of your time. I think we have two questions left for you. I want to just ask briefly about, we talked about, hey, are the pro days going to get shut down? Are the testing going to be possible? For this one, for this cycle specifically, ju- after the cycle that you just went through in 2020 NFL draft, I'm sure that you're probably taking account a lot more foresight this go around, knowing, hey, if this happens, I probably have to have a plan B or a plan C or a plan D. Like I have to be prepared. How has that changed the next step for you as you're going through the process, just kind of understanding like, hey, I need to be prepared for, for anything that comes my way? Yeah, I would say two things is one, I think it helps during the recruiting process because that now gives us like last year, for example, we did when pro days got canceled, we did put together our own pro day for George and Scott that they were to come together. They were able to get numbers. We filmed it. They ran routes, all of the things. So it's giving us something to show guys that we are recruiting like, hey, if this does happen, we can do it again. But now also learning, like, one mistake, I mean, honest, like, you have to be able to learn from your mistakes. Last year, when we did have Georgia Scotty's Pro Day, it was in Tampa. One thing I did not realize is that it would have given more credibility to have either a current or former scout actually there to certify the times. For me, I was just like, look, y'all run it. We record it. Whoever's going to be on the other end, they can record it on their computer themselves. But – it just helps to be able to have someone that's in because uh, at least it seems like, David, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like scouts do have some sort of bond together. And to be able to have a former scout just come to certify the times and make them official, uh, I think that's definitely something I would learn moving forward. So if pro days do get canceled this year, that would definitely be something I would want to get ironed out just to help our guys and make anything that we do. Just give it a little bit more respect on the numbers. Well, you're right on that. I mean, last year with COVID being so fresh, I was approached a few times by schools even to come certify the times, but I just didn't know enough about the disease, so I stayed home. But this draft season and over the summer, I, I paired with a company called ANC, and we mm-hmm. held a lot of um, combines that we uh, we certified all the numbers myself. I took every 40, did all the measurables. And again, this coming season, I'm available to do that if you need me to do that. I will contact. <laughs> yeah, let me know. You know, absolutely. You know, and Mavericks, again, that's why I started Mavericks years ago, because I wanted to give people like yourself and, and the players, any athletes, it's not just football players, it's athletes to know what's on the mind of the interviewers and people that have the jobs that you're trying to get. So we train players like how to do the interview process, how to go through the process, understand what the Wonderlick is really testing you on, understand what, you know, questions might be coming your way when you're answering a question, how to answer the question all that kind of stuff because we want to help you get a leg up on the competition when it comes to professionalism and maximize these opportunities, not just, you know, concentrate on your 40 speed, concentrate and be the whole package. But that being said, you know, we want to help in any way we can at Maverick. So if that means certifying numbers, absolutely. I know plenty of people around the league that will take my numbers and say, those are verified because David took them, you know, 18 years in. So last question though, for you, what is your advice that you can give to athletes um, who are weighing the um, option to go back or enter into the draft? Any sele- um, selections who represent, you know, represent them or whatever, like how are they going to how what is your advice? It sounds like you're weighing heavily to tell everybody to go back to school. But I don't want to assume that I would rather just ask you the question, and let you tell us gotcha. flat out. Yes, <laughs> I would say, I mean, you again, you, you kind of nailed it for me is I won. I ask guys, when do they get their degree? 
that's the one question you want to know. When do you get your degree? Because if you're someone, you got your degree, then now you compare it to where is your, where do you rank, you know, realistically in regards to this draft class. And you just give them as much honest assessment as possible. You know, I was talking with a dad. I was a kid at Boston College and really good player. Probably be, if he tests well, maybe a fourth or fifth round pick. Letting him know, though, like, talk, hey, talk with such and such team. They believe he has the talent to be a potential second round pick. And just providing that value to them and letting them make the decision on their own. For me, I would say, again, like you just mentioned, my advice for guys has been just try to get as much information as you can and just realize, like, if you are a guy that maybe you're going to go and draft it this year, you might want to return. If you are a guy that maybe even if you're going to be a fifth, sixth, seven-round pick, but you have a lot of upside, you might want to return. And that's really – I mean, there has it. there's only been one player that I've said that I told him I think it would make sense for you to leave – and that's because I think he's going to be a second, third round pick. And he's a junior. And he also will have his degree. He enrolled early in school. So that would, it would have to be the perfect storm of you have your degree. You believe you're going to get drafted day one, day two. And if it's not that, my take is to go back to school. Now, again, we talked about the seniors. That's a little different. But especially those that you've only been in school maybe two or three years. To me, it's a no-brainer. Yep, it's absolutely. Just, like, I would say this as well. The last thing, no plug. We do have a documentary. It's called The Long Game. Uh, some fought sports, but like we call it the long game for a reason for guys in this situation, because I, I tell guys this, like for a lot of these guys, why they leave or why they decide is they feel like, man, I'm so close. Like mm -hmm. I, I'm just so close to just a taste of being in the NFL. But I just try to make them realize like, look, yes, you might be close, but what makes sense in the long run? What makes right. sense in the long term? So, That'll be above anything else. I would say that's my take is just trying to get guys to understand what makes sense in the long run. And for them, if there's someone that maybe listens, then what it does is, well, maybe we don't sign them for 2021 when they would have been maybe a six or seven round pick. But come 2022, they real they look back and be like, man, I remember when I talked to Grady while all these other agencies were telling me to leave. They do what they need to do this 2021 football season. They know who was there giving them the honest and real input that hopefully allowed them to increase their draft stock by a few rounds. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Awesome. Well, again, we're here with Mr. Joshua Grady of Grady Sports Agency. Josh, we appreciate you again, man, taking some time with us tonight, uh, giving you the, the floor if you want to plug social media, the website, wherever we can find everything that you're doing. Got you. And, David, I am going to follow Mad Sports on Twitter as soon as we get off of this. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I'm on, I'm on IG, Twitter, at AgentGrady underscore. Very straightforward. Our website is gsafootball.com, Grady Sports Agency, podcast, Agent Talk. We're on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, all the things. And anybody, if there's anyone listening to this, if you want to be an agent, marketing rep, things of that nature, if there's any way I can help, you know, I, I just want to be able to give value. Feel free to reach out to me on any of the platforms. We'll chop it up. And if y'all have any hidden gems as this next draft cycle starts, my DM is always open. OK, so, yeah, just let me know. But, you know, Ryan, David, I appreciate y'all having me on here. You know, it seems like I can tell already y'all provide good value to the people listening. So, you know, if anything else, whatever it might be, any way I can do, just let me know.
Appreciate Just make it so sure much. you uh, send uh, drying your stuff so I can get you some Mav gear and uh, oh, send, yeah, and, and, uh, yeah, I'll send it out to you. Uh, get uh, I'll get it out to you as soon as I can. But yeah, I'll send you some and we'll get you some Mav gears and let, and let you rep us a little bit. That'd be great. I really appreciate all your time tonight. I know we we tied you up longer than we had told you. It's all it's all good, man. My wife is on. She's on the Peloton right now, so she said, "Go ahead, take your time." So, <laughs> yeah. awesome, Josh. Yeah. I love it, man. So just send me your mailing address. We'll get you some Mav Sports here, brother. Appreciate it. We'll we'll talk again soon. I know you know I have some more hidden gems for you though. Yeah, I know you got me, bro. So David, let me <laughs> see what you got too. But yeah, if y'all need anything, you know, I'm here. Feel free. I'd love to get on whatever any way I can help. Just let me know. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Y'all have a good one. See you, man. Oh, David, that was fun, man, wasn't it? That was a really good interview. I love I enjoyed that thoroughly, to be honest. Oh, me too. I didn't. I like I said, it was the first time I've met him. You knew the guy, and you know, I, I thought he was a great interview. I loved how he was unmuzzled, and he just brought you know everything to the table for for our audience to listen to and hear about from the agent's perspective. You know, he's telling guys to go back, get their degree. He's telling them to go, you know, go uh, get more film, and then have an opportunity to test um, when the tests come around next year. Because this year is so uncertain, and and, and what I loved about him is he's real. He uh, he understands that it's not a perfect storm this year. It's actually a very difficult one for these young men to make it, and he realizes that pro days could be canceled. All star games are going to be off the you know off the normal uh, circuit, so it's really difficult. So let these young men enjoy being in college and being kids. Still, don't don't put them out into the wor- workplace where they're going to find rejection right away. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like he's very he has a good he has a good perspective because he's a former player, former college athlete, and now he's transitioned to the agent side of things. So he knows what these guys are kind of going through a little bit, you know, the emotions of what's happening being a college athlete, making tough decisions at a young age. Like I, f- I feel like he has a good head on his shoulder. He's doing some great things. Hey, four straight year, your first four cycles, you have a guy drafted. Not off to a bad start there at, at uh, Grady Sports Agency. So, again, thank you so much to Joshua Grady for coming on with us tonight. We want to transition into some of the topics of the week. First and foremost, I, I know, David, we talked with Joshua on, on this a little bit, you know, because he's a Vanderbilt grad, Clark Lee. I want to hear your thoughts on this, though. We got Mr. Clark Lee, defense coordinator for Notre Dame. The, so they are getting ready for the ACC championship game this year, their second matchup against University of Clemson in a big game. They look like they're playoff bound unless some crazy stuff happens in the in the championship in the ACC championship game. They get blown out, let's say. Um, but it looks like they're in a good spot. Clark Lee is one of the best young coordinators in college football, in my opinion, one of the best assistants. I think we were talking maybe a couple weeks ago, and I threw out his name like, hey, this is probably a guy that's going to get a head coaching job pretty soon. I didn't think it was going to be this offseason, but hey, perfect storm going back home to the University of Vanderbilt, where he is a uh, he had all his undergraduate and graduate degrees from the school, played football there. What's your initial thoughts on this? It seems like maybe not the best timing for Notre Dame. The, uh, what uh, the national signing day is tomorrow, but hey, man, they got uh, Vanderbilt got a who I consider to be a very good coach. 
Yeah, I think uh, you. I think you hit it right on the head there with Notre Dame, hoping that Clark Lee would have maybe announced, uh, you know, after the Clemson game, or Vandy would have held out a, a week or so just to let them get some recruits uh, locked up and then move. Um, it makes the ideal match. I think. I think Vandy, you know, is feeling pressure from a few different sides, and they didn't want their their job to be, you know lingering and sitting open so they went and got their guy and you know i think he's a i think he's a really good young coach and like joshua was saying he's got ties to the school he's you know he's he's got ties to the area so recruiting uh avenues and and pass to them should be pretty good and tennessee isn't what it used to be i mean i think they're up and coming i like what they're doing at tennessee but again they're not what they used to be they're not you know the, the juggernaut they once were so i think vandy if they and again the, the problem there that it's i think always been there is the admissions if admissions mm-hmm. is going to hold these high standards for like they do with the rest of a, the crew your 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 recruiting pool um you know, of talent goes down a little bit and you're trying to compete in the SEC where maybe Florida and, you know, some of these other schools don't, don't have those high recruiting standards. So, you know, if they're going to, you know, I don't want to say downplay it, but at least give it a curve, grade it on a curve a little bit to help him fill that, that roster up, you know, then, then I think you're going to see a, and I, I love Andy. I, I mean, I know the facilities and things need a little upgrading, but I think as a location, as a school, as a place to go to school there in Nashville and everything, it's like, it's a beautiful spot to be. So for me, I'm really excited for him to go there. I think it'd be a great opportunity. It's going to be a program on the rise uh, somewhere. I'm going to, I'm going to watch for that, you know, intently. I've been watching. I had a friend there. Um, he just passed away, but OC, uh, Osea Lewis, was a, a coach there. He had cancer and he's passed away. So I've been watching Vandy for a few years and it looks like I'm going to keep watching him now and see how this young coach does there. Yeah. And I will say Vanderbilt has shown, right? Like people make jokes about him being like the bud of the sec. We saw when James Franklin was there though, they were eight, nine. I think they might've got the 10 wins one season. Like they can compete. I think um, obviously it's going to be a couple years from now. Josh mentioned the, um, the patience that Vanderbilt will have with Clark Lee potentially being an alumni and, and bringing that Notre Dame flavor to the, to the facilities and everything. And one thing that you mentioned, Dave, which I think is a great point is Vanderbilt will have a, a tough time recruiting because of the difficulty of getting into the school academically. Cause it's such a great academic institution. Now it's a lot easier to recruit at Notre Dame, but there are some of those same, same difficulties. You have to obviously be a, certain level of student to get into Notre Dame the same way at Vanderbilt. So I think it's a really good mesh. I think a star's kind of aligned from this offseason. Vanderbilt might not be a dream job for some, but hey, he was a player there. So I'm sure that he's probably dreamt about being the head coach there when he got into to coaching to, the, uh, to begin with. So big shout out to Clark Lee getting an opportunity. We got Jesse Fritch in the chat here that said, that was awesome. Josh is a good guy. Follows me, not David. So I guess uh, he's, you're, he's not following you, David, but Jesse's got the follow. So just so you know. I'm so happy for Jesse. You know, when he tunes in and chimes in, I get so excited. Jesse, thank you for being such a loyal listener and contributor to the show. I mean, it's just lovely that you're so consistent with your jabs at me, baby. Absolutely. Absolutely. And actually, big shout out to Jesse. Big shout out to everybody that's following us live right now at Rise and Draft on Twitter. We appreciate you all for taking some time here. Keon said, great interview, guys. Very educational for some collegiate uh, players. 
agree, Keon. I think that was a great perspective to have. And it was really refreshing to hear an agent say like, hey, we need to be honest with these kids. We need to tell them to go back to school because I don't think that that's always the case with agents. So very, very fun interview there. Want to talk about next, David. Gus Malzahn out at Auburn. What's the next step for that? We see Vanderbilt already make a decision. I don't know how quickly this job is going to come. I mean, I don't know how quickly this job is going to be filled. Let's start with you here, though. Maybe give me a name or two that you think might be interesting guys for the Auburn position. Because I got a couple guys. I got a couple guys for you. Well, I'll tell you one that I think is going to try hard for it, and I don't think I'm too far off on this, is is Billy Boy, Bill O'Brien. I think Billy would love to land the Auburn job and be in the SEC coaching and recruiting and uh, going up against Nick Saban and having that whole um, mystique about the SEC job. And I think that's a job that would pay him well. Uh, So, you know, I think Bill O'Brien, honestly, I I heard his name with Vandy, but that surprised me because of, again, the the limitations on recruiting into Vandy. Whereas, uh, you know, in Auburn, I mean, you really have wide open recruiting trails. You got great staff, great facilities, everything down there. So I would see Bill O'Brien would be one that is actually probably actively pursuing that gig. You know, I think, uh, you know, from what I'm hearing, uh, which is, is fresh, I mean, like last, you know, what, day or so, right? Um, right. I, I think it's going to be a hot one. They're not looking to rush to judgment or rush to a decision. They really want to have the right guy in there, uh, you know, whoever it's going to be. Uh, so I think this is going to be one that could take a few weeks um, before we know really who's going to get it. Yeah, no, no, I agree. And I, I think that – so there's two ways to go about this job, in my opinion. We're not even talking offensive versus defensive coach because obviously Gus Malzahn was an offensive coach, so Bill O'Brien, offensive coach – it makes sense from Bill O'Brien's perspective. Obviously, he's out of a job. Bill O'Brien was a very successful college football head coach at Penn State. He took over a really tough situation, and he was successful there. So it makes a lot of sense. I think there's another way that you can go, though, if you don't want the quote-unquote retread, the guy that might be a little more proven, is to go young. And you know from our conversations about college, I think that our um, coaching positions – I'm a fan of going young and giving it a shot. You know, I'm not a fan <laughs> of press. You're you're like the biggest cheerleader for the young coaches. I'm like the opposite. I'm like, give me the proven guy. Let's go with the proven guy. It's so great for our listeners because they get both perspectives. They get mine and right. yours, and they're completely opposite. So, yeah, so I went really opposite here. You went retread offensive coach. I'm going to give you two guys that are coordinators now on the college football level, both defensive coaches. So I'm going young and defensive and college um, coordinators. So the first guy we talked about, I think I actually picked him for my my staff on when we did that a few Oh, weeks that ago. terrible team that you put yeah, together. Yeah, yeah that awful team. team. Well, yeah. my awful team here is, uh, is going to, to talk about Jim Leonard. Again, defensive coordinator yeah. from Wisconsin, who I think yep. is an excellent coach who – Hey, you want to talk about, hey, maybe he's not an a NFL coordinator next year? Well, I think that he can be a damn good college football head coach because he was a successful college player, a damn good NFL player, and he's been a college coordinator now for several years, and he has Wisconsin year in and year out, a very good defensive coach and a very good um, defensive system and unit that he has. And plus, 
Auburn runs the 3-4 system already. You don't have to change things schematically too much because that's what they run over at Wisconsin. And it's it's just a different atmosphere and it's a different perspective. We're not taking – you know, the offensive coach and Gus Malzahn, I hated their offense, but that's another point for another time. I think sometimes going the opposite there, bringing in a defensive coach, maybe getting a young offensive coordinator that really is – one of the, you know, one of the air raid guys, one of those guys that, you know, has kind of been on that Graham Harrell type of arc, like one of those young creative offensive coordinators combined with a defensive coach to the degree of a Jim Leonard, I think is a potentially good fit. So that's one name I want to think, let me ask you. Let me ask you this question. Yep. Jim Leonard, how do you think he would be recruiting down south in the SEC? I mean, I think it's a different recruiting in Wisconsin than it is down in Auburn. Auburn is, uh, I think it's hard to recruit down there, and it's very, very competitive. How how do you think he would handle that? I, I think that there's a couple um, nice selling points to him. And Jesse says, love you, David, in the chat. Thank you so much again. Uh, he spreads Holy love God. all the time, Jess. Love you, baby. <laughs> so I, I think that he's got two things going for him, right, David? One, he can look at the he can show Wisconsin tape, and he can show what he did with lesser athletes, and show, hey, I can develop players. For one, for two, hey, all these guys that he's going to go into these living rooms, they're going to want to play in the NFL. Hey, this guy did it for several years, several years, and he was a damn good safety on the on the NFL level. I think that you can convince these guys like, Hey, I know what it takes to get to the net, not only to the high college level and be successful. I know how to get to the NFL level. And he's a young guy. And whether or not you want to argue with like, Hey, been there, done that type of thing. Jim Leonard could probably interact pretty well with the younger crowd because he's still a relatively young guy. I think he might be 40, maybe at, which isn't like a super young coach anymore. Cause now we see guys 32, 33 being head coaches now. Yeah. Yeah, but I think Jim Leonard has – I think he would have no problem recruiting, to be honest. I think there's a lot of selling points to him. The last name, and I want to hear your opinion on This is a very bad – this is a very big dark horse, okay? Very big. Dark horse, love it. Defensive coordinator. I actually want him to be the next Notre Dame defensive coordinator, but I don't know if he's going to settle for another defensive coordinator job because he's already a defensive coordinator. And that is Marcus Freeman, who is a defensive coordinator now at the University of Cincinnati, who played linebacker at Ohio State. I think he had a couple calls in the NFL – but he is an excellent young defensive coordinator at Cincinnati. Has them a top 10 team in the nation right now. That defense is excellent. Has been for a couple of years. Has been under Luke Fickle now for a few years, who I think is going to have a big job very soon here on the college football platform. I actually thought about maybe Luke Fickle as the next guy in Auburn. That's what I was just going to say. It's like, why would not Fickle Maybe. down there? Because I think Fickle makes more sense than his D.C. at this point. I think the D.C., if he wanted to be you know, a, a head coach, would would S, I, I think that Auburn job is too big for him to be honest with you. Is to he would it. have to get he would have to get something else. I mean, it's the SEC. There, look at all the names in the SEC that are coaching there. Um, I think to win in Auburn, you need a bigger name, and Fickle is a big enough name. I think yeah. you know Fickle could get the buyout and go down there. I mean, heck, you know, I I wouldn't I wouldn't sneeze at all. I think Luke Fickle would make would would be a really good coach down there to be honest with you. I like now that that kind of came up in the conversation and or th- I like that idea because, you know, he's a guy that uh, I love what he, I think he gets the most out of his players and he goes in there and he really does a great job coaching. And uh, if you gave him the talent that they have down there, man, that could be a, a really good, a really good mix. And I'll tell you this, 
the the guy who just not as a head coach, not as a head coach, but the guy who just got fired at Texas Tech, who was the scapegoat for that offensive troubles down there, Yost. When they were at Texas uh, at Utah State, Yost was the guy who put that new system in where they were snapping the ball like every twenty seconds, and and they scored all those points. That was his offense. So for him to be the scapegoat at Texas Tech, I just don't understand that. And I think it was more defensive problems down at Texas Tech than offense, because more often than not, the offense put numbers up. The defense just couldn't stop anybody. But he would be a good offensive coordinator for whoever takes that job at at uh, Auburn to at least interview him because he's a good young coach that, again, I think would make a, a still a very good offensive coordinator. And if you gave him the kind of talent that Auburn gets, it could get silly. It really could get silly there. No, and I, I think that you actually convinced me on Fickle while I was talking through it because I didn't even really consider Fickle for some reason because I just think of him as like a Northeast kind of guy, you know, a North guy, like he's going to stay up there. And I don't know, but – Maybe he's the next Michigan coach. I don't know, even though he has Ohio State ties. Like, but here, how about this one, David? I'm gonna change it. Ready? Yeah. Luke, Fickle, Luke Fickle to Auburn, and then Marcus Freeman promoted to head coach at Cincinnati. Is that better for you? I like that better. I like that better. But I think if if Luke Fickle goes, I think Freeman might want to be the DC down at Auburn. I'm just saying he could because it's a bigger job. And in a year from now, two years from now. You know, that job could lead into a South Carolina style job or a North Carolina style job or something, you know. Uh, but again, if he goes to, and he keeps it rolling at Cincy, there's nothing to say that wouldn't lead into those kind of jobs, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we have uh, Damani Stasner, who is in the chat with us. He said, just stumbled upon you guys during the great interview with Josh, recent Vandy grad and undergrad recruiting intern. We'd love to chop it up with you guys off air in the future. Absolutely, man. Oh, Send yeah. We will absolutely chop it up. We appreciate you for being live with us and enjoying the interview and now the rest of the podcast. Appreciate you, Damani. Absolutely. Give us a follow, man. Shoot me a DM. I'll be able to connect anytime here. Next topic we want to get into. Got to buzz through these because we got some fun mailbags tonight. We're going to do the mailbag at the last, uh, last segment, as we always do. Pac-12 championship game. Right now, we are scheduled to see the USC um, Trojans. I almost said fighting Trojans for some reason. I don't know why <laughs> because that. everybody, every road goes back to Notre Dame for you. That's why. why? No, no. The fighting Irish, the fighting Trojans. Fighting Trojans. Well, what do you fighting. got on the brain? The fighting something. Well, I hate USC anyway, so it doesn't matter. I know you yeah, do because you're a Notre Dame guy. All right, man. All right. Chill out. David, stop blowing my spot, okay? All right, so we got the USC Trojans now slated to take on Oregon, potentially, over Washington. Who has who is dealing with some COVID concerns? So, David, let's paint this picture real quick, okay? Pac-12 is in the same boat with the Big Ten, right? They are like, nah, we're good. We don't want to play. Pac-12 comes back very late. Have a lot of guys opting out, specifically in that conference. Now it seems like a makeshift Pac-12 championship game. Is there a good team in the Pac-12 this year? Uh, Oregon's you know, Oregon's talented, but they're rebuilding a little bit. Washington, same story. USC, like, I, I mean, I want to buy into USC because there's a ton of NFL talent on that team. But, hey, man, Clay Helton, is he a guy? Now we're looking at a makeshift Pac-12 championship game. Oh, man, you have to think that the Pac-12 is a little bit of a mess right now. Oh, I do. And you know what's messed up really is uh, was it Colorado was supposed to play uh, Oregon this weekend, and then all of a sudden that, that rug just got slid out from underneath them. And, you know, they're like, okay, well, now we don't have a game to play. Then we need that game to be bowl eligible and whatever. And all of a sudden, nope, 
you know, you don't get one because, you know, we need to have a Pac-12 championship game and, you know, Washington's COVID is is um, messed up. So therefore we got to slide in Oregon. So it affects two different school or all three schools. And, you know, to me, it's just, uh, it's just a situation that is messed up. The whole year is messed up in my eyes. I think even list year, uh, what was it? Um, uh, your boy down at uh, Mississippi state had a nice little rant about this year. In oh COVID. Yeah, it was, it, I don't know if you heard. Why, why, why is he my boy? boy? That's your boy. Uh, so you, you know, so you should go, you know, go listen to that. But again, I think it's, Again, USC, I, I kind of like USC. You turned me on to that quarterback uh, before they even started playing. And right. and I started, yeah, and I was like, wow, that guy's pretty, he's pretty talented. His arm talent is, is really interesting a lot for next year because he's only a true sophomore this year. So I think it's going to be interesting to watch him. But yeah, I, and again, I think that it's, it's all, to me, every single conference championship this year everything should have an asterisk except for the acc to be honest with you because honestly the acc is going to have what a 10 and 1 or a 10 and 0 team and a 9 and 1 team match up they played a full as a full schedule and they're matching up getting ready to get it on so that that, that one's not and, and you could say florida and alabama too is no asterisk you know even though they've both had their concerns and things go on down there um so you know those will be interesting but the rest of them i mean ohio state's a joke with what's going on there they're betting every rule and possibility for them and again now we're seeing it out west with you know usc and this whole thing happened so uh you know that's my take on it i don't know what your take is but I think it's messy. So I'm going to let the people that, you know, make all the money decide things to that degree. All I know is Notre Dame's 10 and 0, baby. One more win and we're in the playoff. Even if we don't get the win, we're probably in the playoff. So I was going to say, even if you're going to lose, if you lose, you lose to uh, Clemson. So that's not going to knock you out of the playoffs. And and again, everybody wants Notre Dame in the playoffs. Everybody wants Ohio State in the playoffs for ratings. So therefore, that's why they're going to be there. I think this is going to be the first. I think even if Clemson loses to Notre Dame, this is going to be the first year, I believe that the first playoff um the first playoff ranking the top 4 that started is going to finish as the last playoff and that's never happened before and those four were set that's the way they want it that's the way that they want it bro it's, it's all the yeah, business I mean, I mean i mean but alabama's undefeated ohio state whatever we can talk about that at a different time but like they're <laughs> undefeated they've won every game they've played Notre dame has won every game they've played and Clemson's only lost one football game. Like they've just backed it up on the field, those top four. You know what I mean? When they played. But so. if Clemson loses to Notre Dame a second time, then Clemson shouldn't well, go. I'm sorry. At that point, who are we putting in? Because I think the fifth right now is Texas AM. Like we're putting Texas AM in? I would rather see a, a one loss team, a Texas AM, a one loss team who's played every game that's been, they've matched up on, played every game that's lined up, get but, in there and be and give the opportunity to play. Here's my question, though. Here's my question, though. Ready? So Texas A&M played Alabama, and we all saw that outcome, right? I think it was like a 20-point loss or whatever it was. Alabama's a really damn good team, okay? So don't get me wrong here. My thing, though, is if we're looking at Clemson, let's say they lose two very close games to the number two team in the country. The only team they've lost to is Notre Dame. What is more impressive, the 9-2 and record with two close losses to a top-two team or a – 10 or nine and one record with a loss to um to, to Alabama by 20 points. Like which one's more impressive to you? I don't know, man. Like I think it's a good debate. 
I think it's a good debate too, and I don't think it's going to matter because Clemson's going to beat them this weekend. But that's just another conversation we'll pick up on Saturday morning when we tune in. So Notre Dame's in either way; it doesn't matter. They could lose; they're still going to be in the playoffs. We, Not we if they get the pounced by like twenty-one. But anyways, nah. what's the last question of the night before we get to the mailbag? I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, no, yeah, I just, I just want to keep us going. <laughs> Thank you, David. Thank you. We're, we're over an hour, like we always do. Okay. Last last thing that we want to touch on, bowl season. What's it going to look like? Real quick, David, is there going to be a bowl season? What's it going to look like? Or do we have any answers here? If you were a person that had a high authority and made decisions, what would bowl season look like this year? You know, I'll be honest. I don't know if finances make sense for bowl season. And when I say, fi- you know, for me – if you can't have fans in the stands, you know, I know there's TV revenue for these games and content, but without fans in the stands, how much money are these bowls making? And without the Rose Bowl parade and all the other stuff that goes on with the Rose Bowl, what what's really the lure there and how can they get it? And will local governments allow for these uh, get these bowl games to have people there or or even be able to take place with the COVID spiking so much as it is right now. Um, it's just so interesting. I, obviously, we're not going to have anywhere near the number of bowls we, we had last year or the years past, and that we hope to gain back next year. Hopefully, we don't lose them all to next year, but I think people have to start thinking about investing forward and maybe taking a year off, but keeping the money that's in the pot for next year's bowl games and getting teams, you know, there and doing all that um, to recover from the 2020 seasons and, and lack of money. And again, for the, like we saw what Boston college was just like, yeah, we're not going to, we're opting out. We're not going to do a bowl. We're just turning our attention to basketball and everything else, because to have the kids around testing, sequestering them and get to a bowl game, which is like two to three weeks away, says a lot of money still on the, on the university to, to do that. So, and they didn't make a lot this year. They all lost money. So I just don't know. I think we're going to see over the next course of seven to 10 days, universities do the cost analysis of going to a bowl game or just, you know, turning the kids loose and calling it a year that we're not going to even try to go to a bowl game. Cause there's not going to be enough financial um, benefits to, to go to one and have, and have it done. We we're going to get into our mailbag here in a second before we do. What are you getting your special summon for the holidays? Well, if you really want to get them something they will remember and cherish forever, purchase them a consulting package from Maverick Sports Consulting. It's the perfect gift for the aspiring athlete, coach, or agent in your life. A consulting package from Maverick, Mavericks will be a gift that continues to relinquish revenue long after their training is complete. With so much to give, think of your loved ones this holiday season with a consulting package from Maverick Sports Consulting today. Visit maverickSportsConsulting.com for more information. David, we had some great mailbag questions this week. Again, man, I I really appreciate everybody who submits questions each and every week because we just continue to get some awesome ones and we got some fun ones here. So I'm going to start with Monsmoy, hashtag White Farmers Lives Matter. Okay, yeah, that's the name on Twitter. That's a, that's a that's a name on Twitter. Yeah. No one. I don't think he's following me, but I'm sure he's following Jesse. Yes, I'm sure he's following Jesse. If Jesse is still listening, strong D line or strong O line, one or the other, which is more important? Ooh. Ooh. Oh, it's a good one, right? 
Ooh, why put me on the spot with the hog mollas up front? I, Ooh, good. I think I got an answer here. I think I have an answer. I'm right, going you, I got to ponder this. You go. I'm going offensive line. I'm going offensive line. I feel like there's more things you can do to neutralize the defensive line with quick passing game, misdirection. If you have a damn good offensive line, man, like you can't get around those guys, you know, like you get, what, what are you going to do? I think that all good offensive line makes running game easier, makes the passing game easier, makes quarterbacks more comfortable. I think I can get around a subpar defensive line, but if you have a dominant offensive line, I think that that really speaks volumes to success. See, I'm just the opposite when I'm thinking through this. See, oh. I'm thinking, well, because if you got a dominant defensive line, then you don't have to blitz as much. You still get pressure on the quarterback. You you turn the ball over. You cause long field or you, you cause your offense to have better field position. You get the pressure on the quarterback. You don't get run all over. You And again, an offensive line, even if they're like not an A, say they're a B or C plus, you typically can run the ball with those guys. You can have a quick passing game, get the ball out quick. Um, and and still protect the quarterback with some slide protection, some max protection, some 70 spot stuff. So, I mean, keeping tight ends and, and chipping running backs out to help the guys. So I, I'm almost go- – I think I have to go the opposite, man. I think I have to go – I'd rather have a doing, dominant that's your bit. D-line. That's, your bit. that's, all, that's what your I, I got to have the pass rush, man. I got to go with the pass rush. <sighs> man, my thing is like – so. I'm watching the Los Angeles Rams, right? Because I, I'm a Rams fan. So from la- last year, right, their offensive line was in shambles. So many injuries, so many different um, so many different groups that they had to piece together. It was awful. What's the biggest difference with the Rams this year? It's not coaching. It's not quarterback play. It's not even the defense. The pieces are the same. The biggest difference this year – is the offensive line has stayed healthy outside of Andrew Whitworth. Now has been banged up for a couple of day, games. The offensive line has been so improved that this team lo- went from a nine and seven team that looked like, Hey, they might be on the, on the way out here. You know, they might be a team that is really going to take the next step downward and they're going to be in a rebuild and they're going to be in a bad rebuild because they are paying a quarterback, a lot of money, but they have gotten that right ship righted. They're right now nine and four in contention, possibly for the first seed in the NFC. And I think that the biggest difference is again the quarterback play, the coaching that you usually talk about. It's the offensive line, the ability to stay healthy. See, I think the defense is really leading the Rams right now. That's why nobody wants to match up with them because that defense, you know, Aaron Donald's just such a beast in the middle. And I think the defense He's a beast is, last year, though. He's a beast last year, too. I understand that, but I'm saying, like, for me, I don't think if you look at the Rams offensive line right now, they're not an A. They're not an A plus. They're like they're a good, B. Though. They're, they're a good. B. They're a B. Yeah, but last, last year, what were they though? What were they well, like? Hold on, here's yeah, your But here's bad. the point. Here's my point. Yep. If you have a B offensive line and an A defensive line, you're 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 good. And the question wasn't that do your offensive line is going to be an F. It said your offensive line is not going to be as good as your D line. Do they have an A defensive line though? They have Aaron Donald. They, and a bunch they of do okay. not have an. A, they do not have an A offensive line. I meant defensive line. I'm sorry. They have Aaron Donald and a bunch of okay players. I wouldn't really call that defensive line great. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm just saying, like for me. I right. think the D-line, if you grade it out across the board, the D-line is still going to grade out better than their offensive line. 
And I, and I think good, the offensive line are good run blockers. They get the ball out really, for the most part, under three seconds. So the quick passing game is great for them, and it helps that offensive it helps that offensive line out when you get the ball out like that. So that's why I'm saying, like, I think you can scheme out the offensive line a little bit. If, you, if you're from behind and you're just, like, letting people pin your ears back, you're going to be completely exposed with a bad offensive line. I get that. But if you if you're in the game, you're you know you're you're within striking distance and like seven points or so, and you can still incorporate the run game and you know help your your team with short passing game and your receivers can turn it into long yardage. Uh, you know it it you can get over it. I I think a a bad defensive line gives too much advantage to your opponent. Well, I'll say this to Mon's boy. Both. I want both. I don't want to pick one. I want both. I want both, baby. <laughs> I'm greedy. I'm greedy. So you I'll take what I can. Um, and we wonder why we always go over time. It's because David just disagrees with everything I say. So we have some little discord. Oh, you know? uh, young man, I just got to show you how incorrect you are. <laughs> I got to make sure you fucking understand who, you know, what the, whoa, this old, dog, what the old dog freaking is telling you. <laughs> All right, Al, relax. Next question for Mr. Al Davis. Cody Felger asked, what would your 40 time be? And I don't want this, David, because I know you're hobbled right now. <laughs> If you were in solid shape, a normal David Turner, the best best shape you've been in in a while, you told me, what would your 40 time be right this second? I, I, I had actually a conversation with this earlier in a uh, in a Twitter group chat I am with Joe DeLeon and Alex Gilstrap, and they were asking me, like, oh, I want to hear the answer to this one. I am positive, and you're listening to this, positive. If I stretched and I went out to a field right now, if I'm warm, I can hit five flat. Guaranteed, hundred percent, no doubt in my mind. So there it is. Yeah, I mean, I'm 45 years old, and I uh, stretching for me will take years to get back to any kind of thing that resembles limber. So I'm gonna. I, will, I mean, will you I'm be faster than Rich Eisen. That's what I want to know. I would be Rich Eisen. That that's for sure. There's no doubt about it. whatever his fastest time is. I would beat Rich Eisen. Would I be you? No. I mean, I'm, I'm probably I'm probably a five five guy right now. I would say a five five solid five five. <laughs> that's not bad though. That's not bad. Rich ran like a five nine seven. I think was his best or something. So. Yeah, I could beat yeah. that. I wouldn't be a six. I would be five five. I think I five 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 four seven if I'm lucky. Yeah, you know, in there. <laughs> Jesse does not believe it. Look at him. Look at this. Uh, look at this little little emoji. Just put oh jeez, Jesse <laughs> does not believe you. I think he put that in there when he when it was yours, not mine. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. They, I, hey, man, I'll, I'll show Jesse my calves later, and I mean that in the most. Oh my gosh! Listen, non weird way I could possibly represent that information. I, I'm 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 not in a bad shape, David. I can run a little bit, and when I when I was playing, I'll tell you, I could run in probably four eight if I was in peak uh, peak situation right now. But right now, I'll say five. Right. I, I was clocked. I was clocked sophomore year going into my junior. I was clocked at a four five two. So I used to be have some wheels on me. Those are way gone though. Way gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this play on words. Jesse said, I think David's a five four guy. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, you are a creative SOB. I love it. That is good. That is really good. Uh, so we got a little who don't know I I'm five foot four tall, so that's why he did yeah. that. That's, that's yeah. why it was a funny yeah. joke. Good one, Jesse. Um, I love it. David, I have a loaded question here for you. Ready? Oh, oh okay. Setting me you up. Have, you have to pick an NFL career, okay? Oh, I a, did. <laughs> a 
You're an average NFL player, but a hometown hero, a hometown legend. Okay. B, you're a superstar Hall of Fame talent, but no Super Bowl rings. C, you're a bench warmer, but you win five Super Bowls. Or D, you played for a few teams, but always signed big money contracts. Uh, I'll be Dan Marino. Perfect. <laughs> no Super Bowl rings, but Hall of Fame talent and uh, made a lot of money. So uh, I'll take that choice. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think I would probably take the, the same there. You know, I, yeah. I, I want to I want to leave a legacy, right? Like I, I always talk about that with like my daughter now, right? Like I want her to be proud of dad and to remember dad for like all the awesome things that he accomplished, you know? And, and you know, five Super Bowl rings is great. But like, if you didn't really contribute, were you really a part of the team? You know what I'm saying? So it's uh, all, you know, you know. If they're all positive. They're all, and there's an aspect to each one of those that are positive. You know what I'm saying? Like each one of those has a positive, you know, because at the end of the day, you're getting to play a game for a high salary in the NFL, no matter what it is. I mean, even a rookie base contract, you know, is $587,000 next year. And, uh, you know, if, you, if you're a veteran, minimums a million dollars. So, I mean, if you're making that kind of money, that's helping do everything for your family and all that. So, again, it, uh, it's there's no bad answer there. But if you if you ask me, I would I'd be a superstar, you know, Hall of Fame guy, always on the verge of hopefully winning a championship. And then, you know, if it never happened, it never happened. Like, like a Phil Rivers, like, look at him. He's made a ton of money. You know, he's on the verge of, had a ton winning, of babies, had a ton of babies uh, and on the verge of, you know, possibly winning a Super Bowl, maybe not in his career, but he's still going to be a Hall of Famer. And that, you know, his post playing career is going to take over wherever it's at because of his resume he's built on and off the field during his playing days. So it's a shame that, like, we're so quantified by that one Super Bowl ring. Cause like if Dan Marino won one single Super Bowl, people might actually, I mean, cause I know some people do like the, the, the Dolphins fans or even people that don't really take Super Bowls into account would say like Dan Marino might've been the best quarterback ever. Cause like he was amazing. Right. But like if he would have one Super Bowl ring, the conversation is completely different about Dan Marino. <laughs> it is also, well, the other thing that that hamstrings Dan is, I think he only had one appearance in the Super Bowl too, right? And, and there, so it wasn't. It wasn't like he went to like Jim Kelly went to four Super Bowls and lost all four, right? Like he got him to the show in four consecutive years. That's like ultra impressive. Um, not not winning them is is you know his Achilles. But again, he got his team there four straight years, and no one's played more football games than I think those four years that the Bills played. I mean, think about that getting to the Super Bowl all four years. I mean, that's most football in a four year span that I think anybody's ever played. So um, that's impressive to guys like me, you know, who think of the effort it takes to get into that game every single year. So, um, but again. It, that question is a great question. Thanks for putting it in. And, uh, you know, I, I think you don't, you don't lose with any of the answers. Absolutely. And shout out to Craig Forrestal at that underscore sports underscore guy. Big shout out to him. Been on his podcast before. Awesome guy. Jesse wishes you good luck with surgery, David. I know that you thank him so much for that. And thank everyone out there who's keeping David in your prayers and best wishes about to get <laughs> surgery. Uh, you know that, we are here for you, David, if you need it. Absolutely. No, I appreciate everybody. The love and the outpour has been incredible the last couple of days. And I appreciate all the prayers and all the well wishes. So thank you, everybody. 
And we have two questions left. We're going to keep this under 90 minutes. So I did good with that, I think. So next question we got from Lorenzo L at Lorenzo Lazo. He asked, how realistic is this situation? The reality that Jerry Jones turns to Zach Wilson in the draft with outlets saying that Dak Prescott has no leverage over Jerry. So he's saying Dak's out. Jerry takes Zach. What what are the impressions here of the situation, David? Ah, it sounds like the kind of mistake that you know Jerry would make. So that's that would be great. And so I think realistic. No, I think Dak would be happy to go somewhere else at this point and get a nice big contract and, you know, uh, move on into a nice winning environment. Because the reality is, if, you know, think about the Indianapolis Colts get Dak Prescott. Do that, don't they just become like one of the favorites, you know, if Phillip Rivers moves on and they go and give Dak a nice contract and boom, he's there for the next 10 years. And, you know, behind that offensive line and with that running game that we're seeing develop there, I mean, that's an instant, you know, the Super Bowl, you know, favorite for next year in my eyes. So, you know, I, I, I mean, if, if Jerry wants to do that, let, let him make that mistake. I, I'm not a Zach Wilson fan. Everybody who listens to me knows that understands that I'm not, I'm not as high as other people are on him. I think, you know, he'll, he'll come down to reality. The closer we get to the draft and the more uh, people really digest his film and not just watch him on TV. All right, there's your take. David says Zach Wilson's a little overrated. Last question of the night from Jack Dispo at Jack underscore Dispo. He gives us the situation. Fourth and goal from the nine-yard line, down by five points with three seconds left. So we're in a must-score situation here on the last play of the game. He asks, pick your ideal quarterback and 12 or 11 personnel to get the touchdown and win the natty. Playing Alabama's defense as well. He put that in there. I'll start here, David. Oh. So playing playing 12 personnel here. Playing yep. 12. Because I want those big targets in the red zone. I'm going to go with Kyle Pitts as my flex tight ends. Maybe move him around a little bit. Get a little leverage. Motion him across. Playing the H. Playing the slot. Wherever I feel like putting him. I think that you can cause a lot of mismatch opportunities there against linebackers or safeties potentially down in the goal line. Then my second tight end is going to be Mr. Pat Fryermuth from Penn State. He's a big ah, you took guy. my you took my guys. No, I no, I didn't. Did I? Yes, did you I? did. Yeah, I, oh. I told you before we went on. I was going pits, and then and then while we were think, while we were thinking, about, I was like, oh, the Penn State tight end. That's the other one I want. Yeah. Fine, fine. I'll change. It. I'll, I'll let no, you. no, no. You're good. You're good. Go ahead. Okay. If I can have Fryer, in all honesty, if this wasn't just 2021 specific guys, NFL draft guys, I'd probably take Michael Mayer from Notre Dame because that dude is legit, legit, but he's only a true freshman. So we're, we're going to have to wait a couple years to talk about him. So Pat Fryermuth is the big body guy, 260-pound tight end. He has that big frame that you love in the red zone. You can also do a little bit of blocking down near there if that is what you so choose to have him do on the last play of the game, max protect, I don't know. But anyway, so those are my two guys running back. I have Kenneth Gainwell, the running back out of Memphis, who's actually an opt-out player, but mm. he is the really athletic pass-catching running back that I want near the goal line. He has great hands, over 600 yards receiving last year. He is a guy that I can even motion out, go to empty. Like There's a lot of things you can do with Kenny Gainwell. My two wide receivers that I want, one is going to be Jamar Chase, another opt-out guy for LSU, but that is your super physical winning at the catch point type of wide receiver that you want near the near the red zone. I think he can do a lot of damage there. 
And then my last guy I would probably choose, I'm going to go with Devonta Smith from Alabama just because I think that he has great body control. He can do some things in the air as well. He's shown a propensity to score touchdowns. I think that he gives you a lot of flexibility. And my quarterback, usually start with the quarterback. I'm going to end with it. I'm going to take the best one in college football, Trevor Lawrence. Run, he can pass, he can do whatever he wants. He's got that tall frame. He can navigate, he can extend. Anything you want in a quarterback, Trevor Lawrence can do. So, again, Trevor Lawrence, I got Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, the wide receiver, and then my tight ends are going to be Mr. Kyle Pitts and Pat Fryermuth. David, the floor is yours here. Well, you know, I'll, I'll lead off with, you know, I we're really similar in a lot of things. And, and again, I – I, I don't have enough time to really think back my trio here, but I think the two tight ends in, are, are right on. I like both those guys. I think Trevor Lawrence would be my quarterback if I had to pick one from this draft class. Absolutely be Trevor because um, you got a run-pass option quarterback there that could do some things. Now, as far as receivers go, I think the Devontae Smith kid is a great one out of Alabama. I'm taking Tony out of you know Florida, and here's why. Because as a, as the motion fly option, you know he gives you some stuff that you can get creative with. His initial quickness is really well off the line, so he can lose some guy. And again, if you're going twelve personnel, you can run some kind of uh, motion where he maybe splits in between tight ends, does a a natural rub off of one of them, and then he's wide open with his speed and his body control to catch the ball. He's made some great adjustments to balls th- this year, so you know I, I really like Tony Tony a lot. Um, and then running back wise, you know, I, I'm I'm really I'm I'm contemplating, you know, who it would be. I mean, there's there's a good class of running backs this year, you know, and you know I like ATN at ATN so much that you know I think he can find the but you know the running back at I think I would have to choose the running back at North Carolina. I mean that Mark kid Williams. Yeah, I think that kid, he's a, yeah, he's really an impressive young man. And I think, I think having him in the backfield, having those two tight ends, Lawrence and then Tony and Smith uh, at the receivers really gives you an incredible five uh, skill position players to, to score on that play. Well, I love Javonta Williams, man. He had an insane run this past weekend where he absolutely obliterated one of the Miami defenders. David, that was a good game, by the way. I don't think we really talked about that again too much. No, no. no. Look at what the time is. You said we're going to be under 90 minutes. We're about to be under 90 minutes because <laughs> I am going to close this out here. Again, we thank you all so much for even following along with us tonight. Thank you so much for following along with Mass Sports Take Episode 19. Myself, Ryan Roberts, at, at Rise and Draft on Twitter, at Mav underscore sports, Mr. David Turner. We appreciate you so much. We would also appreciate if you want to throw us a review, some feedback, what you liked, what you didn't like, what you would like to hear from us, throw it out to us on Twitter, again, at Rise and Draft or at Mav underscore sports. We appreciate you all so much. This Friday, again, we're going to go into the pro football scouting department. So make sure to sign up today at NFLDraftBible.com. Make sure to check out MaverickSportsConsulting.com for the packages. We are right right on the cusp of the official kickoff of draft season. So very important decisions that are about to be made. So make sure to check out MaverickSportsConsulting.com, NFLDraftBible.com as well. We thank you all so much for taking the time tonight. Make sure you like, share, and follow us on Twitter. Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. We thank you all so much. We will see you again next week. Same time, same place.
Thanks for listening to another episode of Mav Sports Take. Connect with us on social media, share your thoughts on today's episode, and tell us what we should take on next time on Mav Sports Take. Want more from our hosts, David and Ryan? Visit maverick and learn how we can help you take the next step in your sports career. Until next time, this is Mav Sports Take. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.